Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Critical Twits podcast, where today we bring you the final selection of interviews conducted at the UK Games Expo, covering a selection of the games that really caught our attention. Welcome back, I'm Aaron Vinsky, once again sat by myself editing these together, wondering if I'll have any friends left to play these upcoming games with when they are finally released. So today we have interviews about the upcoming Zombies Run board game, based on the popular running app that we've previously covered, one of my personal highlights of the show, an interview for Book of Nox, a classic dungeon crawler with some clever fixes to old problems, a conversation about Top Trump's inspired modern horrors, a chat about recently released Kickstarter success Shadowscape, a catch-up with Ben of Sirenscape fame, information about superpunk RPG Urban Heroes, and one final interview about the Walking Dead Mages game. Whew. So, first, Zombies Run, the board game. Uh, so my name is Matt Witeska, uh, I'm from Six to Start, we're the company that makes Zombies Run, and I am the lead designer of the board game of Zombies Run. Fantastic. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about the board game, um, what, how it runs and if it, how it fits in with the Zombies Run universe, essentially? Yeah, sure. So it's, um, it's a hybrid, uh, real-time cooperative card game and choose your own audio adventure. So uh, the app, it comes with a companion app, and the app periodically tells you to add zombies or advance zombies. And these are cards that are moving along kind of a tracker that will eventually catch you. And you and your fellow players are matching cards very, very quickly, kind of like dominoes, in order to make a chain of cards that will defeat the zombie. And while that's all going on, you're having these story breaks where uh, a fully voiced audio narrative is playing out and you're offered some options on how to respond, and the choices you make change the card game and also change the way the story plays out. So it's kind of a persistent world, interactive narrative, wrapped up in a fun party game. Oh, fantastic. So as well as, I noticed there was a few other bits and pieces that seemed to be about. We had the key cards when we were doing the test through. There's a map sitting on the screen. Yeah. So all those things are all other interactive bits and pieces that go along with the game as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I call it, uh, slightly pretentiously, a kind of narrative legacy game. So the box contains a whole bunch of envelopes that are tied to different locations around the game world. And when you get to one of those locations, you find a whole bunch of things and you reach into these envelopes and artifacts from the game world are kind of now on your tabletop. So you might get a newspaper clipping or a tourist map or a kind of gadget that allows you to configure a radio tower. And then you and your friends are going to work together to solve these physical puzzles in conjunction with the app in order to advance the story. So what we're trying to do there is really immerse you in the game world. The, you know, you're, you're reaching into your box and you're pulling something out from the other dimension and yeah. kind of touching it and, and playing with it on the tabletop. Really, really taking that thing from board games is so fun. Exactly, yeah. Touching thing. things and, you know, uh, the, the fun thing about the puzzle in the playtest, uh, the, the demo, is uh, watching people lean over and align the cards together and, no, try it like that, and what about this? And yeah. That's a really nice moment to have with your friends. That's why you play a board game, is to move something around together and look at it all at one time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, now, obviously, you're, I'm going to say probably best known for the Zombies Run app, yep. which is uh, sort of an interactive storytelling jogging feature, which we've covered before. Um, what made you go from um, interactive fitness thing to something that's going to make people sit in the backside, essentially? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, kind of, it's all the same impulse, at least for me. Um, we love telling stories and that's one of the things we really like about Zombies Run is um, obviously it's great to make a game that helps people uh, meet their own fitness goals um, 
but the, my favourite part is always when people send us fan art or they write stories about the characters themselves because you're connecting in that kind of that narrative way with people and, and that's really interesting and really exciting and with the board game you know we all love board games at six to start we have a monthly night where we all stay after work get pizza and we just play all the board games in the office oh, fantastic um, never, we've never finished a game of Eclipse it, like t- <laughs> way too long um, but we always try um, so you know we wanted to combine the two things that we love which is uh, telling really good stories and playing really good games and we thought um, the one thing we think we do as well as anybody else is audio and, and, and telling good stories through audio yeah um, and audio is perfect for board games because you don't want people staring at a screen the whole time you're playing a game. You want to be looking at each other, like I was saying before, looking at what's on the table. So audio really helps there because you can have a story that unfolds while you're still playing the game. Yeah. Uh, so it, it seemed like a natural fit for us. Uh, we wanted to make something that we wanted to play. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. I was going to say, because playing it through, I don't think I've ever played anything that functioned that way, Yeah. Um, that had that app that actually told you a story while you were playing a board game in real time yeah there's little elements of stuff other people have done in little bits but never that quite that well merged well uh, yeah well i'm really glad to hear you say that (laughs) it's it's, that this is our first time bringing it out into public so it's it's been really rewarding that people are responding to it the way we hoped they would like that's really nice but i think it's also you know um we're i think naturally when when you have a hammer everything looks like a nail so for us um we like we really like board games and audio story. We we approach the problem that we're best suited to solve. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, that's why it's kind of unique. Is our skills are quite unique. Yeah, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, it's uh, it, it's great that people are responding to it the way they are. It's been really good. It's been a fantastic day. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> that's good to hear. Yeah. So when are you expecting it to uh, come out? Uh, we're we're expecting people to have it in their hands in December. So. Um, it's likely that when when we're almost certainly going to be at Essen, we will have copies for sale there. Um, the app might well not be completely finished by then because we have to record dozens of hours of audio to fill in all the interactive story. Um, so recording and editing that is going to take the rest of my year pretty much. Um, but some of it's finished because you played it today. Uh, some more of it will be finished by then. So. We might well be sending, we'd be selling the game, and people will be able to access a kind of pre-release yeah. audio to play along. But the full final release is going to be December. Fantastic. Um, yeah, that sounds really good. I'd say from experience of beta test, wasn't it beta testing? You had the earlier version of the Zombies Run app, and yeah. stuff, where you were still developing features. You were very quick on the ball with getting those things out, and yeah. what you had out was actually already really well functioning. So, well, that's it. I mean, so, one of the good things about coming from the app space is you learn how to kind of put out a minimum viable thing that people yeah. can actually use and enjoy and then build it up yeah. while people are still playing it. So we've done that a lot, which is good because yeah. we need to do it now. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but no, that's brilliant. Um, well, looking forward to coming out. I think I'll be definitely pre-ordering it, to be honest. So because <laughs> Thanks, that's great to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, no, thank you. For Cheers, thanks a lot. Cool. I am hugely excited about that, although I am beginning to worry about my love of End of the World games. Anyway, now we have something more Victorian fantasy based for you, The Book of Knox. So I'm here with Christopher from Shed Games to talk about uh, Book of Knox. Uh, what is Book of Knox? Uh, Book of Knox is a Victorian horror dungeon crawler. 
Um, it uses a fog of war system and has a rolling dungeon as you're going through. The mechanics uses opposed dice rolls uh, with d4s through to d10s. Um, we have a story-based um, campaign narrative that you go through. So each time you play the game, you'll be picking what story uh, you're going to play and the encounters will be tailored towards telling that story. Uh, for example, the one I have here in front of me at the moment um, is the Abomination and is around the Flesh Construct. So all the encounters that you will go through in this story are based more around the cultists. Okay. If you were to play the werewolf story, you'd find that the encounters going through the dungeon would be more based towards the critters okay. as you're going through. So you said uh, Victorian. It's Victorian. Yeah. Most dungeon crawlers are Fantasy sweat, sweaty men with broadswords. Uh, yeah. And nope. Goblins. We have uh, seven playable characters. You've got the gentleman with his manservant, <laughs> the lady. We have the immortal, the American, <laughs> the cursed one, and the invisible man. Who is just a base with some footprints. Yeah. Uh, yep, the, fo the, the footprints are sculpted into the base. Excellent, so. I really like that. He That's... does have an invisible ferret too. <laughs> That's very cool. I like the fact that American is a class. Uh, <laughs> it, it's tickled me, maybe. Uh, yeah, we, maybe it should. we like to be generic. What kind of, what, so what kind of enemies would you be coming up against? You mentioned the flesh construct. Well, in the story behind the game itself, uh, you are coming up against a group of cultists called the Door Knights. Okay. Um, they have been causing problems in Victorian London, and the society which the uh, protagonists here are a member of have been tasked specifically to deal with this cultist problem. They have recently managed to get hold of uh, a book that the cultists were using, the Book of Knox, and the cultists have been using it to open portals to arrive into Victorian London um, and trying to, you know, subvert it, if you will, from within. Yes. Uh, the, cult, the, the society have now got this book and they're trying to replicate the magics contained within it. However, it, it requires a human sacrifice normally. And since these are the good guys, they won't do that. They've been performing animal sacrifices and the portals themselves are going a little bit strange. Okay. So whilst they can open the portals and take the fight to the cultists, they can't target where they're opening. Okay. So at the moment, these portals are opening in random areas in the vicinity of where the cultists are based. Okay, yep. Where that is, the society does not know. Whether it's another place on Earth, whether it's another realm, unknown to them. And as they're going through, their mission statement at the moment is to explore these caverns, map them out, and take the fight to the cultists where found. Um, mechanically then, is it is it very different to other dungeon crawlers? Is there anything unusual going on with that? Um, in terms of the core mechanics of how the dice roll, it is opposed. So you can, on your stat lines, you've got uh, a melee attack score, a ranged attack score, and a defense score. And they use these body dice. For example, we've got the gentleman here. His melee attack is 1d8, his ranged attack is 1d8, his defense is 2d6. So in an attack using this stat line, if he was to attack um, in melee, he would roll 1d8, and uh, the defender would roll 2d6 and pick the highest. Okay. If the melee attack exceeds the defensive dice, he scores a hit. You can sort the weapon profile to see what the damage is and see whether any critical options are applicable. So if his melee attack or his ranged attack, to be this one, would exceed the defensive die and equal or exceed the target number of a critical option, you may apply one to that weapon strike. In this okay. instance, it's plus one damage for a strong hit. Certain weapons get different critical options. For example, a mace can knock people back. Shotguns can knock them down. Whips can trip them up. 
and these all have different effects that can apply to the characters. Is it players? Is it competitive? So one player will be the monsters, or is it? No, nope, so it's a co-op game. Okay. All of you working together. I specifically tried to design the, the game where the encounters that you were playing ramp up as you go through. Okay. And so with the go back to the story you can see that there are 12 encounters for um, encounters within the rooms 12 encounters in corridor sections when you get them the dungeon is built on the flip of a card okay okay however when you're rolling for them there's only a d6 so in the early stages of the dungeon you'd only encounter the first six uh, encounters on here every story has an alert type this particular one is timed so for every two player turns, the alert status goes up by one. Okay. So come turn six, the alert status would be three. So you'd be rolling 1d6 for your encounter plus three. So okay. come turn six, you're really going to be hitting between four, the library, and nine, which is a restroom. Okay. So the further you go through the dungeon, it's on a sliding scale, and it slowly gets harder yeah. and harder. It looks like there's a lot more nasty things at the bottom of that there list is. at the top. It's to avoid that setup where you come in, you play a dungeon game, um, it's typical in a lot of dungeon games, especially when there's a random um, factor, that the room you're coming to is always the hardest room. Yeah. It happens. You, you come in, you roll it, somebody rolls a natural one, and suddenly there's a big gribbly in your face, someone dies. We yeah. wanted to specifically avoid that scenario because you never want to have to either reset the game or somebody have to sit on the couch while everyone else finishes playing because their character died. So in this way, you'll start with the... You'll never be able to hit the hardest ones in the early rooms. On the flip side to that, come the later stages of the dungeon, you won't get the easy ones either. It literally ramps up as you play the game to a final crescendo. A Warhammer quest, I've wandered into the very first room and the Minotaur's appeared. Exactly. I've gone to the end and had all the goblins turn up and go, oh, this is three dull, there you go, roll dice, done, get on. And that's exactly the kind of thing we've, uh, we're avoiding with this mechanic here. Let's yeah. make sure the game works. It's the same with the wounding. Um, our wound mechanic is endurance, and it's your ability to not be hit by the blows that are coming in. Once that hits zero, that is the first time that steel has hit flesh and you take an actual wound. It's not just an arbitrary number. Once your endurance gets to zero, you take a wound and you take a penalty. So if you're hitting the leg, you take a penalty to your movement stat and you roleplay that through the rest of the dungeon. You're taking a head wound, you're taking um, some of your modifiers to other stats. Um, you can die, but on the chart, it's at minus two. So the first time you roll on the table, you can't die. Um, but you can pick up negative modifiers to future hits. Once you've rolled on the table and taken the penalty, your endurance resets to half, and you keep playing. Okay. So, theoretically, in a single fight, you can hit endurance several times and pick up a couple of wounds. Um, and then but you keep going, and then you play on with those wounds. Okay. Um, obviously, the further you go through the dungeon, the more wounds you take, the more likely you are to eventually be being killed. So there's only so much you can take before they put that sword through your heart. Sounds a little grittier than the, I've got 400 hit points, now I've got 300 hit points, you're... It's definitely, it's, it's more narrative based, it's yeah. not just pure math, it's every time something happens, there is an effect, and you play with that effect, you play the story that's going on. Um, I can't help but notice the really nice sort of terrain and stuff you've got set up, does that it come is. with the game? Yeah, everything that's laid out in front of you is inside the box, so it's 3D resin tile sections, doorways, uh, trap doors, resin column, um, and metal miniatures. You also get the AI cards for the 
dungeon creation and dice. Uh, the rule book is a free PDF online. Oh, right. Uh, so anybody can download that and have a read and see if they like the yeah. rules. It's the kind of thing that even people who just like their scenery or want the dungeon could uh, quite happily pick up. Nice. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the train is also available independently on the website. Oh, excellent. Um, so, yeah, so if people do like the sound of this, where would they, uh, where'd they go? Uh, they go to uh, our, our website. It's www.shed-games.co.uk and it's all available online there. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Those of you of a certain age will remember Top Trumps, the car game of quantified my dad is better than your dad. Well, here's an interview about an unofficial update, Modern Horrors. Interview with uh, Nick Swift, uh, creator of Modern Horrors. Hello. Tell us a little bit about Modern Horrors then. Uh, well, Modern Horrors is, uh, is a very satirical, tongue-in-cheek uh, spoof of Top Trumps. So I'm a, I'm a come from a comedy writing and cartoonist background. And when I was a kid, I used to play with the Horror Top Trump set, which in the 1980s was an incredibly graphic set of cards <laughs> that people used to play in the school playground and have nightmares about, and it stayed with me. And then I thought recently, you know, it needs updating because vampires and werewolves aren't scary in this day and age. So I made a deck full of all the stereotypes of modern life. So you've got internet trolls and smartphone zombies and tiger mums and sex pests. They're all in there. A huge collection of all the kind of things that annoy you about modern life, basically. All done in a very humorous style. So it's Cards Against Humanity meets the Beano meets Top Trumps, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really the, the humour that, that stood out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, I, kind of, I used to write for Radio 4 and I used to do part of the sort of sketch comedy circuit. And although I sort of slightly moved away from that in the day job, it still is, one still can't help returning to the limelight. So I thought I'd bring some of that comedic sensibility into the world of playing cards. And it's, it's very much a sort of tongue-in-cheek novelty product that people can enjoy for a quick laugh with mates, you know, and go, oh gosh, I'm, you know, that's you, nor that, you know, recognize themselves in it, you know. So yeah, it's, it, the comedy flavor is very, very important, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The arts. I really like the art style as well. I remember getting like the Beano and the Dan. They yeah. do these. They do these really sort of massively complicated, huge yes. page panels with loads yes. of extra details in. And I spend ages looking at well, all. I'm, like, glad, I'm glad you noticed that. I mean, the the Beano was one of my kind of influences. And um, in fact, I, I kind of Wizard and Chips. I just, some of your older listeners may remember uh, <laughs> some of the kind of comics that were a bit more edgy and a bit more subversive. Yeah. So there were, again, there was one in the 80s called Oink, which was basically like Viz for kids. Yeah. And that was a huge influence on my young mind. That sort of very detailed but very edgy humour. Calamity James in the Beano, he was the kid whose stuff was always going wrong to him and each panel was filled with something new to look at. So yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of artwork I enjoy and I create. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do the artwork as, I, as well? I did the art artwork yeah. So I write it, I draw it, I turn up at games expos and try and sell it so, <laughs> sounds exhausting it is i'm knackered i'm absolutely knackered. so, so obvious question then where, where do your talents end well uh you know uh <laughs> i walk across water and uh, no I don't, I don't i don't do maths very well so you know no, there no. is there is a limit to my uh, talents but in terms of a creative project yeah i enjoy i enjoy doing this kind of stuff so Hopefully we're gonna. We did this on Kickstarter. Hopefully we're gonna do a sequel next year. So um, it, it, we're gonna do our version of Happy Families, which was a game I used to play as a kid. Yeah. Except, of course, the modern horrors version would be Unhappy Families. So that's what we'll be looking at. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, so if people like the sound of it, where can they go to, to pick it up? And you can find it online on uh, Evil Amazon, or you can go. There are independent comic shops and stuff that have it, like Gosh Comics in London and 
and uh, shops in Bristol. So yeah, we're, we're all over. But yeah, definitely find us online. There's a website. And on the Facebook page is where I'm constantly publishing new stuff. So we live in a terrible times, as you guys know. So in age of Brexit and Trump, there's lots of material to work with. Um, so constantly coming up with new designs on the Facebook page. So you should check it out there too. Fantastic. That's great. Thanks very much. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Now, you're going to be asking, two Dungeon Crawler games in one episode? Why? But this one's a little different. Shadowscape. We're here with Blaché. Yes. Uh, from uh, NSK and Games talking about Shadowscape. Yes, sir. So what is Shadowscape? Shadowscape is an objective-based uh, small dungeon crawler. Um, you, The game revolves around a set of cards that are called Whisper Cards. So basically, whenever you do what is on one of the currently displayed Whisper cards, you can claim that Whisper card. And as you go through the deck, at one point, Dungeon Lord will emerge, somebody will inevitably slay the Dungeon Lord, and then the game ends, whoever has the most shards wins. The game follows a very simple structure. Every player gets uh, a turn that consists of an action turn and a enemy turn. During the action phase, actually during the action phase, you do two actions. Uh, one of the actions, uh, every hero comes with four action cards. You choose one of those cards, perform what's written on it, or completely ignore it and just move. And then you flip the card to reveal a different action. And you do that twice during a turn, after which you draw one fate card from the deck. The fate card will tell you which enemies uh, which enemies activate. Those enemies will move around the board and perhaps attack the heroes. Now, one important thing is that every action you perform can be boosted using the fate cards you have in your hand. Those fate cards come with symbols which you can discard to make the action better. So you can hit harder, move faster, heal better, or you know be more thorough when you're searching for treasure. In the course of the game, you can hand in some of the enemies and treasure tokens in order to get um, in order to get new action cards. You can hand in the treasure tokens to get new equipment, uh, so you can get you can become progressively better. Uh, now, when you set up the game, the, the dungeon is mostly random. Basically, you shuffle up the dungeon cards to create a different layout, with different terrain features, with different places for spawning points, and well. You have 13 playable heroes, five different dungeon lords, and two modes of play. One of them is fully cooperative, one of them is competitive. The competitive one, if I may add, is pretty vicious. <laughs> it can get pretty ugly. Oh, good. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, the thing that made us come over, well, it made me come over, you said it's a mini dungeon crawler. Yeah. The box is tiny. Yeah. Yes, the box is tiny. <laughs> I really wanted to make a game because, as you, can, as you can see, and probably the people listening to this can't, but you can see that this takes up uh, most of this rather middle-sized table, right? Yeah. So it's a game with a little box, but it's a big game inside. I yeah. mean, it's not humongous. Your regular gaming table, your kitchen table is enough. Yeah. But still, what I wanted to, to make is a game that, you know, has a nice small box. You can actually take it with you somewhere without a problem, or you can fit it on your overcrowded gaming shelf also <laughs> yeah. without much of a hassle. But then it kind of sprawls into this pretty cool game uh, very dynamic, quite fast playing. The first time you play it with four players, maybe it'll take 90 minutes, but usually you should be ready for something like about 60 minutes uh, of yeah. gameplay. That's fantastic. So a little travel pack that's easy to put out and over in a reasonable time. That's, that's right. very cool. Um, do you tell us a little bit about the uh, mystical universe as well? So it's, it's, it's part of? Yes. Uh, Shadowscape is the same universe as Mistful and Heart of the Mists. And it even says that on the box that it's the same game. 
Um, it's, a, it's a dark fantasy universe which was first created for Mistful, unsurprisingly, <laughs> uh, which is a fully cooperative card-based adventure game. Uh, that was also designed by yours truly and when I designed that I wanted a game that would give you a bit of the sense of adventure and a bit of the sense of a cooperative struggle but would use randomness only to create different setups and different situations. The rest is fully in your hands. Every character comes with their own uh, little deck of cards and their own stack of cards which you can buy during the game put in your hand then put back in your deck but you never shuffle your deck you shuffle it only once in the beginning of the game and later on as cards go back into the deck when you rest and heal you basically stack them up from the bottom so you have full control over what is in your hand and if you create a combo you can then load it back up into your deck so if you get into a sticky situation during the game a specific encounter specific enemies if you sit down put your head, heads together with your players and find a way to do the most effective thing you won't be um, you won't be foiled by a random card draw you will be able to you know do, to execute your plan. That's something I wanted and that's why I, I like to call Mist One, Heart of the Mist, a thinking person's adventure game. You, yeah. you know, you can figure things out and it, it's, well, I can say that from, from players who like it, who, who enjoy it, it's, it's very satisfying to go through it. Although it's a much, much heavier game than Shadowscape. You're looking a bit into the Mage Knight range when it comes to uh, the level of complexity and the depth of, uh, of uh, Mistful and Heart of the Mist. That's great, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. We chatted with Ben Loom at last year's Games Expo and been using Sirenscape on our roleplay evenings ever since. But we'll let him tell you all about it. Yes, so, so thanks for talking to us. A pleasure. Um, you are the, the mastermind in chief behind Sirenscape. I am. Uh, so what is Sirenscape for those that don't know? Sirenscape is an app that creates beautiful, immersive, dynamic sound effects and uh, like a movie-like soundtrack for tabletop games. It's designed actually specifically for game masters so that they can get their attention back on the players. Just a couple of touches and you've got explosions of sound and horror and wonderfulness. And it's designed specifically to keep the attention of the players on the game so that all those distractions dissolve away because they're so involved and immersed. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm actually a Sirenscape uh, subscriber. Hooray! Uh, we I noticed the games. shine, I noticed the gold <laughs> machine. <laughs> um, and I think one of the things I really like about it is the, the options there because a lot of the, the stuff that I've tried to use before mm. is a song. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And Sirenscape doesn't like work like that. No, at not all. at all. So how does it work? Yeah, so say you're in a game, you're in a lovely medieval town, so you bring up the Red Dragon City Raid sound set. It just sits there ready. When you're ready, you touch Peaceful Morning, and Sirenscape swings into action. There's lots and lots of elements to the sound design. There's a, just the sound of the general wind in the background, another element which is just a bit of hubbub of people chatting. Then there might be some hawkers that are triggered every now and then, just randomly every now and then. Sometimes they're far away, sometimes they're closer. Uh, a card might go past, all the sounds you might expect in a medieval town. When you're ready, you just reach over suddenly, touch, dragon attack. As an enormous explosion of flames, someone cries out, the alarm bell goes off, uh, and then some dramatic movie-like music starts. And that's all you have to do. Uh, you just let it run, and that'll never stop. It's always continuous, overlapping, seamless, never repeating. You can, however, if you want to, pop over to the storm sound set, 
and start some rain and some thunder, add in some goblins from the goblin attack, and then you can sort of annoy your players and drench your players at the same time as burning them to a crisp. And all that can be then saved as another preset, which just becomes that single touch if you want. Yeah, yeah, I like, I quite like fiddling with all the dials mm, and trying to get the, uh, the sort of perfect, the perfect mix. Uh, but it doesn't, when you reach the end of a song, it stops. Yeah, it doesn't do that, it doesn't that's do right. That. That's, yeah. the, that's the thing. Basically, Sirenscape goes back to a moment in my life where I'd made a 15 minute recording of a medieval town, and that's fine. So I just sort of looped it to go round and round and round. But of course, our recording is completely uncustomizable and 100% uh, repetitive. Yeah. And it, that moment of Sirenscape, I always tell people this goes back to this one moment where the players had been in this town for like kind of an hour and a half-ish negotiating, blah, 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 all the stuff that takes a long time in role-playing games. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they actually stopped the game and like all together went, ruff, ruff, because this pattern had just gone round and round and round yeah. and round. And instead of immersing the players, it was taking them out of immersion, making, their, making them aware of the fact that they were listening to a loop. So instead, what Sirenscape does is takes those woofs, puts them in a separate element, which you can turn up, you can turn down, you can turn it on or off, and they're randomly timed in, in, in the time spectrum and distributed in a random direction, the surround spectrum, and at a random distance, and then reverb is dynamically applied. So if the wolf happens to be this time really, really far away, then it'll be quite echoey and soft. And if the wolf is nearby, then it'll be much drier and louder. It does that with the wolves, with the blacksmith, with the with the, um, with the the chickens, with the carts, with the blacksmith. I already said blacksmith twice. There are two blacksmiths in this town. <laughs> it's, it's a, a dwarven city. town. Yes, it's a, an yeah. industrial metropolis. That's right. It? It's a hive of... Uh, so so all those elements um, just keep going and going and going and going, overlapping, interfacing. So Sirenscape can literally never repeat itself because once, obviously, sums get long enough, then you have the age of the universe as the time when the most likely repetition is, yeah. So was that hard to do? I was an so we're talking 2009 yeah. I was an amateur uh, I was a professional musician amateur computer programmer hardcore gamer um, and yeah so I just started fiddling with uh, Python and wrote a version of Sirenscape that did that that picked up a suite of samples randomly distributed them and it was fantastic. So I sh th shared it on the internet as donationware. Yeah. The UI was horrendous. <laughs> so <laughs> ugly, it's unbelievable. But people loved it and started giving money and then were like, I want it on my iPad and you should do more stuff. And like, I was like, ah! So then we re-released the app in Unity. Uh, so you can actually use Sirenscape on iOS and Android and PC and Mac. And, uh, it's, and now it's really beautiful and intuitive and easy to use. <laughs> and it's been yeah, a huge success. Lots and lots of people are using it, which is fantastic. Yeah, one of the things I've enjoyed, because we, um, we saw you last year, mm -hmm. and that's what made me subscribe. Uh -huh. um, and there seems to be new stuff coming out all the time, and yeah. it's not just fantasy stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So we have a license with, with Paizo to produce the official sounds for the Pathfinder role-playing game. Uh, and so we did uh, Rise of the Rune Lords and Hell's Rebels, but the recent one we've been doing with them is Strange Aeons, which is a Cthulhu-esque horror campaign in the fantasy world. And that's been fascinating because it's, it's completely different sound world. But we also, yes, have a sci-fi player. We have a license with Green Ronin to do Mutants and Masterminds. So that's all kind of modern spacey settings, modern spacey. Not modern space, <laughs> futuristic spacey settings and heroes punching each other in space. And we're releasing all of actual Cthulhu content in the sci fi player as well. Excellent. And so there's trains and car chases and 
yeah. the net net running like out of Shadowrun and yeah we've been yeah. playing the Sprawl which is a cyberpunk RPG uh -huh. and the players tend to get their contracts in a bar uh -huh, yeah, uh, yeah. upstairs in a nightclub yeah, so I yeah, put the yeah. nightclub on quite quietly in the, yeah, in the background right. and yeah, they, exactly. they, they really like that yeah a typical way that a sound set works is you have the dance floor which you, you'll know this I'm telling you but for the benefit of the listeners you'll have the dance floor where the music is really clear and pumping and loud and there's people cheering and clinks of glasses and things and then there's another setting which you touch and the music sounds like it's now coming through a thick wall yes and you yeah. can hear the buzz of the sort of security system or the air conditioner yeah, yeah. so basically within a location we try and yeah, we have, they're called moods, the different sort of situations in that location. Yeah. So with the dragon battle, it was the peaceful morning, then the dragon attack, and then the last mood is aftermath, <laughs> which is the sound of, you know, crackling buildings and weeping women. <laughs> so yeah, which we, which we need in our RPGs. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's, what's going on for you in the future then? Yeah. Where's, it, where's this going? Yeah, so uh, things we've done since last time we spoke to you, the Sirenscape Center creator came out. So now users are able to take our content, mix and match it, you know, make sci-fi, goblin, spaceship, dragon, cyberpunk attack. I'll play that. Yeah. Uh, import their own sounds. So throw away our music, bring in the music from Neverwinter Nights that they own, click the little cloud, upload, the to, upload that to the server, and that becomes stuff that they own, just like any other sound set. Yeah. Or if it's all, if it's only legal content, they can actually share that with the whole community. So the community's building lots and lots of stuff, which is really, really cool. We're also releasing day and date with uh, Paizo Sounds for the Starfinder game, which is super fun, because that's going to be a big role-playing game. It's obviously got that incredible Paizo support, so the universe is going to be incredibly rich and beautiful and well-fleshed out. So we're yeah, building starships and weird alien planets for Starfinder, which is super exciting. Excellent. Cool. Sounds great. Plus, oh, what, what else? You can you can have the sounds of Catan and Boss Monster and other board games and card games in the board game player. I do quite like the, um, there's some of the buttons for Catan, like the barn yeah. sheep and things like that. I just like That's to right. click them occasionally. Yeah, my 12-year-old my girl loves to spam the sheep. The best thing about the Catan sound set, I reckon, from, from when I play, is when you roll a seven in Catan normally, or Catan, or Keaton, or whatever you say it, um, you, you, you get the robber, and it's like, oh, oh the robber, okay, oh, how annoying, too many sevens, and you move the robber, and then you get to steal the thing. In Sirenscape, there's a button that has 60 recordings of a robber being a smart ass. <laughs> and so, maybe you hit the robber 20 times in a game, you know, you hear, you know what I like about this situation? Is I get your stuff and you can't do anything about it. And, uh, and but there's 60 of them. So, you know, every time you play Catan again, you're going to have a, maybe a different one. Uh, maybe some you've heard before and then someone, something completely different that you've never heard. So it kind of adds that level of fun to the game. Yeah. Uh, I think lastly then, last year you told us some interesting tales about how you built some of the sound sets and got uh -huh. some of the samples. Yep, yep. Um, what's been your favourite sample to create so far? Oh, probably the one I'm most proud of is the Red Dragon. And maybe we should pop over after and you can put, put the sound of the, the Red Dragon raw here. <laughs> but I'm most proud of that because it's my voice. And I have this lovely fluty kind of tenorial voice. Sing beautiful Irish Irish folk music and things in a lovely way, light and beautiful. But the Red Dragon is very, very, very butch, and so it, it was fun because you know using pitch shifting and form and shifting and other fancy fancy kind of uh, audio processing. I've actually created something that sounds very epic. The dragon from Gen Con, the Gen Con sunset. We have the sound of attending the show at Gen Con, and then a dragon attacks and zombies, and everyone gets eaten and flees. And we, we collected samples at Gen Con of people crying out and being brave warrior women and scaredy women and brave warrior men and scaredy nerds and things. And uh, the dragon in that in that set, it was like a nine-year-old boy. So oh, this yeah. little kid went, Rah! 
you know, and once you process that, then it becomes this epic, massive <laughs> dragon, which is super cool. Oh, but so many, I could probably go on for like 20 minutes now, but yes, <laughs> it is fascinating. Uh, the, 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 um, the leather armor in uh, the fighter sound set is me just literally shaking my laptop bag, <laughs> which is very, very cool. So, you know, my children and wife walk past my studio, you know, and there's a look in with pity and confusion. And, you know, as I'm, I'm shaking some weird object or bashing against the cupboard or, uh, you know, scraping Lego across the floor to get a claw scratch for a dragon. It's very funny. I, I want your job. Sounds oh, awesome. <laughs> it is a very, very weird job, which is amazing and fantastic. And I would have never, ever expected, you know, five years ago that I'd have a, a, a big growing company with, you know, making... So, someone starting Sirenscape, our stats say, at the moment, every 60 seconds in the world. Really? So that means wow. since we started, you know, there's... I don't know how many... How many but, but at least 11 Yeah, that's right. 11 people have started up Sirenscape and they're using it for a theatre show or for a, a dramatic book reading in a school or just to write with. Lots of lots of yeah. writers say they put on Brindletown to get themselves, you know, over that kind of block and get them to a medieval yeah. town or whatever, and, or a dripping dungeon or, a, or an elven vale or whatever. Um, yeah, plus obviously role players using it in, in tabletop games. Yeah. Uh, Matt Mercer's using it in Critical Role, which is like just fantastic. Cool. Maze Arcana use it. Um, uh, lots of other podcasts and Twitches are using Sirenscape, which is cool. Brilliant. Freaky amazing. So if someone wants to join one of those um, every 60 second people, where yes. would they go? Yes, you download the app for free on, as I said, iOS or Android or PC or Mac. You get two free sound sets with the app, which you can just try out. And then usually people buy a couple of things, you know, something that might be really useful, like a dungeon. I don't know, where, when would you use a dungeon in Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and they test them out. And then as you discovered, there's a massive long list of content on There's the left hand loads. side. <laughs> and so there's a subscription option. Uh, which basically unlocks the entire fantasy player for five pounds per month. Everything will be released during the period of that the subscription you gain permanent ownership of. So it's actually kind of a heavily discounted way of getting to own lots and lots of stuff. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah, make sure you jump by the forums or the Facebook or the Twitter and ask questions. And there's a fantastic community of people who are really willing to help. Excellent. Thank you very much. A pleasure. Speaking of RPGs, we stumbled across Urban Heroes, a Garth Ennis-inspired superhero RPG. Have a listen. It's an interview with Alex Frey, author of Urban Heroes, the RPG. Yeah. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about Urban Heroes then? Yeah, of course. Urban Heroes is the first RPG uh, from Teenet Games, that's my company from Italy. And it's an RPG about superheroes in the real world. That means you can see Trump, Merkel, uh, sex scandals, internet haters, social medias, and all stuff like that. Uh, so superheroes in this game are just regular people with superpowers. And not always is a good thing. <laughs> so the rules, game mechanics, and uh, stuff like that are very easy to learn, since you will only be required to roll one die per time, no modifiers, so no hard math, maximum five dice per time. Nothing, nothing very complicated. The, um, the core rulebook itself has more than 900,000 possibilities of powers, since the customization level is really, really high. You don't have to wait to level up to customize your power. You can customize it every session by buying, acquiring power-ups. Of course, the setting is one of the most important thing, since we update it uh, ear by ear with real life facts using the superhuman metaphor to talk about real things. So it's really a little bit adult oriented. 
is not just like older maybe superhero games. This makes normal people become special, but not always in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I really like the uh, the art style, the oh. uh, the superhero throwing a petrol bomb. Really <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something UK people recognize very well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the internal artwork is made by Marvel Comics and DC Comics artists that are still working for us. All Italians ones, of course. Yeah. Uh, we want to keep this product a hundred percent Italian. Because so, high quality comes from Italy, guys. You know. <laughs> so it's an Italian, uh, an Italian game that you've recently translated, then? Yes, yeah, sure. We did a Kickstarter for it uh, back in 2014, and uh, went well, so we could translate it. So nowadays we have the core rulebook and the Scream Master, which are translated, but. Very soon, all the other expansion, we are at the sixth one in Italy, gonna be translated. One is gonna be out very, very, very soon in English too. Excellent. So, um, how's, it, how's it gone down in, uh, in Italy? Big success? Oh, yeah, yeah. In Italy, we can say it's a very good success. One of the biggest uh, RPG in Italy. Okay, Italy is not very big about these kind of games, but there are a few Italian games. And yeah, we can say also one of the most known right now. Fantastic. <laughs> we can say it. So we got a big fan base on the internet. Uh, if anybody wants to play this game, all our guys and girls gonna ask, answer your question, your doubts, and help you get along in Earth Z, which is our parallel Earth where you can play urban heroes. That's science. That's science. Science says it's possible. So. We, we, we exploited that. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, good. Um, so, how, how would a typical, what would a typical um, adventure session have you doing? Okay, um, there are many ways to do that, uh, but the setting is planet Earth. Uh, does not intergalactic other planes of existence. No, it's Earth. So it comes, it goes from street level adventures uh, to national level adventures or international level. So. That's it. Usually, people like most uh, the, the origin script because you can play in, uh, with different script in this game. The origin script, you roll for your power randomly. The game master, which is called the script writer, takes note of it secretly. Then you start as normal human, and by some chances during the game, you get powers. But you don't know which is the origin of your power. I mean, you got a pair of feather wings, are you a divine or genetic hero? You have to discover everything, how to use your power, how to control them, and then upgrade them little by little. That's, I think, the most best way to play the urban heroes. Excellent. Uh, where can people find the game then if they want to check it out for themselves? What, sorry? Where would they go to find your game? Oh, okay, on a web shop. We are distributed in Italy, but... We, at this fair, we are trying to get an international distributor, so probably going to be on your shop shelves very soon too. Fantastic. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, really. Thank, yeah, thank you. We're back. Oh, Bye. Finally, we don't want to leave you miniatures combat fans out. The Walking Dead miniatures game caught our eye. After many minutes staring at some lovely models, we managed to catch an interview. Here with uh, Martin from Mantic. Hello. 
Hello. <laughs> and uh, we found you standing near the Walking Dead All Out War miniatures game stand. Yeah, there's a big picture of Negan now. I, I don't think I look like him, but I'll, <laughs> I'll put my back down and then, uh, then we can crack on. Um, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about the, the game, because I don't think I've seen this one before. So, uh, so today we've brought everything from uh, Dungeon Saga, Warpath, all the, you know, the fantasy and sci-fi things, but the, the main main aim of today is just to bring out the, the Walking Dead bring out the dead <laughs> so what we've got we've got two tables of uh, demos going on so the demos are basically the starter box uh, out on the table obviously one of our guys has brought his miniatures from home so it's got a bit more 3D to it but on the on the other one it's more around what is exactly in the box so you've got the the game mats you've got the 2D terrain uh, and you've got all the the walkers and the survivors from the, the main set yeah uh, we're also selling the uh, show deal today, which was the, the start kit and one of the expansions for £50, which is £10 off, which is a good deal. So the two expansions we've got so far, uh, one's called Days Gone By. So if anybody is a fan of the comics will know when they're first going back into Atlanta to get the guns to and the Shane and uh, Rick subsequent uh, battle at the end. Yeah. Uh, that's what that one's all about. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we've got Miles Behind Us, which is the... Uh, where they first get to the the farm, meet Herschel and the family and all that. So coming up, we've got wave three, I think it's around August at the time, uh, and then obviously it follows on from there. Uh, We've also got a show exclusive, which is the... um, me and Clementine, which has gone quite well uh, today, uh, sold out yesterday. uh, And that's... um, So basically the IP is around the, the comics, that's the only one that's not part of the comics, it's part of the computer game. So yeah. it's a slightly different, uh, different okay. set of models. So. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, cool. So how does uh, the game itself function then? Just for yeah, the is, it, is it people versus zombies or is it people versus people with zombies in the middle? The latter. Cool. So you're playing against an opposition. The, the best way to describe what the walkers are are um, threatening terrain. So the, the game mechanics with the threat counters and the encounter cards uh, is all around the increasing number of and threat of those walkers. Um, so it's all around balancing sneaking around, but also using your guns, uh, trapping other people, using sound to attract, zomb- attract walkers in the wrong direction. Um, and you're basically you're always walking, uh, working against a threat counter. So everything you do that makes noise increases the threat counter. All the um, like event cards potentially increase the threat counter. So it's all around you versus your opponent versus the walkers versus the clock, basically. Yeah. So games last around 30, 45 minutes. That's good Unless you play like me and you like shooting stuff, then they last 20 minutes and then you get eaten in the face. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a really good game. It's, it's hugely popular. We've been demoing sort of religiously all day. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, you can play on a multitude of different levels. So you can play competitive, you can play really immersive, character-driven stuff. Or you can just play for fun, you can play co-op, that kind of thing. So it's got multiple levels of of the game itself. Um, Yeah, it's just a really solid game. It sounds like there's a lot going on. Is it quite a complex game or is it quite easy to learn? Not to to get into it. To get into it, it's, you know, you've got the start kit. It teaches you from the book how to to start in scenarios. And then as soon as you get to grips with that, managing the threat counter, that's when it starts, starts ticking up. When you get the expansions, then you can build scenarios into it. So... As I say, with the two expansions we've got there, they are uh, scenario-driven uh, story modes almost. Yeah. So you, everything you do affects the next chapter in the story. So people die, then they, they will affect what's going to happen next. Time. That's very cool. Yeah. That sounds uh, sounds awesome. What's your best moment with the game that you've had? Um, 
Yeah. I've had not that many because, as I say, I like shooting stuff and I generally get jumped. Um, but yeah, just just the, the amount of uh, walkers that can, that can come on and just end the game very, very quickly. It's just it's quite, a, quite an amusing game. There's an awful lot you can do to trap people, um, as I say, using sound to bring them around the terrain and, and then launch at them. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. No worries. Cheers. And that's all, folks. We hope you enjoyed a little insider look at these games. If you did, please like and subscribe and tell your friends, mostly because I need some new ones. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter as The Critical Twits. If you're listening on SoundCloud or a suitable podcasting app, we have a YouTube channel too. If you're watching on YouTube, would like to carry us around with you, we are available for your favourite podcasting devices. So thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>